Good morning. It's Tuesday, October the 24th. In the year of our Lord, 2023, I'm John David Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Well, a lot of you are wondering, like, why is he saying I'm John David Walt all of a sudden? You know what, guys? It's because I'm home. And when you're home, you get called by your name. And that's my name. So I consider you to be part of my friends and family, of course. And I welcome you to call me John David. But JD's fine too. Well, enough of that. Let's begin today with a time of consecration. We've never faced this day before. And we're going to want to be with Jesus throughout. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is called When the Backstory Becomes the Front Story. Our text is Acts chapter 11, verses 11 to 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. The Word of the Lord. Now consider this. I want us to back up a few steps today. There's a massive front story which can easily get all the attention and certainly deserves much. It's the quiet back story I want to keep lifting up. We've just come through the extraordinary event known to history as the Gentile Pentecost, the day the church Jesus is building came to our house. You see what I'm trying to say here, don't you? The overwhelming majority of people who follow Jesus today are Gentiles. In other words, we were not born Jews. And the massive significance of what unfolded in Acts chapter 10 and forward is we did not have to become Jewish to follow Jesus. How did this happen? Well, God made it happen. But how did God make it happen? The kingdom of Jesus doesn't just appear fate accompli. The movement moves through people. As we indicated earlier, people who are ready open, and willing. I want to get a bit more specific on what this looks like. 
How did Cornelius get involved? Let's ask him. Acts chapter 10, verse 30. Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me. And Peter, we know how he got started, but how did he wind up in the home of a Roman centurion on this day at this time? Luke makes it clear. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. The readiness, openness, and willingness of both Cornelius and Peter is signified and signaled not by their public works, but their hidden lives. They were men of prayer, hidden prayer, secret prayer. On an average, ordinary day, at three in the afternoon, Cornelius was in his house at his place of prayer. On another average, ordinary day at noon, Peter was on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house at his place of prayer. Are you seeing this? Prayer was woven into the fabric of their days, carved out into the spaces of their dwelling places, etched into the calendars and clocks of their chosen priority. Prayer was a clearly defined reality in their everyday lives. They weren't saluting the priority of prayer. They were praying, which is to say they were ready, open, willing, awake. Their life of prayer was the front story for them. If they hadn't been there, we wouldn't be here. I'm so challenged by this ever-present backstory of prayer. It is so easy to agree with prayer as a priority. It is so easy to want to live a life of prayer. It is so easy to feel bad about my prayerlessness and then feel better about myself for feeling bad about it. None of that internal wrestling with its self-shaming, try-harder ethos goes anywhere. For prayer to become the backstory of my life, my family, my church, my community, this world, it must become the front story of my life. Peter had a meeting set up with Jesus every day at noon. Cornelius had a meeting with God on his calendar at 3 p.m. every day. Here's the interesting part. Cornelius invited his whole family and all his friends to come into his prayer meeting, his prayer room, three days later at 3 p.m. for this meeting with Jesus and Peter. And behold, what happened? 25 years ago, I was serving on the staff of a mega church, and I had the mega schedule to prove it. I was so busy. 
often with two breakfast meetings and two lunch meetings and meetings everywhere in between. Because I was working for the church, I lived with the unspoken assumption I was praying all the time. One morning, as I was rushing out of the house to one of those meetings, I sensed the deep inward voice of Jesus. Stop. I put my bag down, walked over next to the couch, and knelt on the floor. I can still see myself there all these years later. I said no words. As the silence enveloped me, I heard again in the deep recesses of my inmost being these four words. Create space for prayer. Jesus was calling me into a meeting with himself. Ever since that day, these four words have shaped for me the calling within my calling. I won't rehearse here my manifold failures and too many to count forgettings of these four words. Nor is there time now to celebrate the wins across these past going on three decades. All I know is I'm hearing the volume turn up on this four-word calling like never before. Create space for prayer. Something tells me the same is true for so many of you. The prayer of transformation. Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sinfulness. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your love and release my selfishness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength so that my consecration becomes your demonstration, that our lives become your sanctuary for the glory of God our Father. Amen. I just kind of want to pray, I receive your prayer life, Jesus, and release my striving prayerlessness. Yeah, the question, do you have daily meetings on your calendar with Jesus? 
Do you have a set place of prayer in your home or office or place of work? How have you or are you or might you create space for prayer? And for our hymn today, yeah, we're going to sing it. I think we've sang it not too long ago, but it's time to sing it again. Sweet Hour of Prayer. That's number 440 in our seedbed hymnal, Our Great Redeemer's Praise. The hymn is Sweet Hour of Prayer, 440, 440. We'll sing all three verses. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, the joys I feel, the bliss I share, of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return. With such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his face and gladly take my station there and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall be my titian bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Amen. Well, gang, it's, it's Tuesday. Could that mean tacos for some of us? I'm hoping so for me. Taco Tuesday. But you know, as I'm working through this today, this just feels very sobering to me. It feels weighty to me. And of course, I don't feel condemnation for myself, and I hope you don't feel it on you. Like, oh man, we need to do better. We're just really. Uh, we're phoning it in. We're not doing it right. That's not what I'm trying to say here. That's why it comes back to consecration. You see, Jesus, Jesus is our prayer life. He is the Lord to whom we pray, and He is the Lord who gives us a spirit of prayer. We depend on Him in us for our prayer life. But He is. You know, he says, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. 
but what is the house? Is it some building? Is it some room? I mean, those create dimension, but the real house of prayer is actually your body, your physical body, and our bodies together. Jesus says, you know, I will come, my Father and I will come and make our home with them. That's what makes us a house of prayer. It's not all of our, like, making sure we are trying hard and got the room right and everything just so. No, it's about belonging to Jesus. But given that, we need dimension. I think that's the thing in my own life that I've struggled with is sometimes I think because of the work I do, I, you know, I'm just, you know, praying without ceasing. And, you know, because of the sense that, well, I, I'm abiding in Jesus all the time. I'm praying. Well, yes and no. It's kind of like if there's not some fixed, set, tactile, tangible dimension, it's just so easy to fool yourself. I think we all would agree with that. That's why when Jesus taught us to pray, you know, first thing he says is go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think that's Matthew 6. He's putting tactile dimension to it. That's what Cornelius was doing. That's what Peter was doing. To create space for prayer means time and place, time and place, time and place. Space is time and place. All right, I'll stop there. I'm hoping that's encouraging you. I'm hoping that you're not sensing like condemnation or shame. I hope and pray and believe the Spirit is welling up in you with a willingness, with a readiness, with an openness, right? You're a rower. You're a sower and a rower. And this is a, a direction, a pathway down which the Spirit can move us. And there's just something about that 3 o'clock to me. I don't know what it is, but it's got my attention. We'll see how it unfolds. Well, gang, it's time to hit the field. Okay, we've talked about rowing. Now it's time to get to sowing. <laughs> get your seed. I've got mine. I'll see you on the field for the awakening. I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall. 